G'day guys and welcome to the second episode of Caleb's Conversation Podcast. Today I'm going to be focusing on Marvel and everything Marvel Studios is coming out with uh, on Disney Plus, in theatres hopefully. Uh, it's going to be a very exciting time so if you're a Marvel fan definitely stick around, it's going to be fun. And I've brought on two guests that I know both love Marvel just as much as, as, much as I do. Um, Declan and uh, Aiden, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for inviting us, Our great pleasure. to be here. So, obviously, Marvel has been the biggest cinema blockbusters for the last couple, for the last 10 or so years. It's been huge, the amount of um, storytelling that they've done and how they've actually pulled it off. So, um, obviously, the Infinity Saga is kind of wrapped up and we're moving into Phase 4. Um, what did you guys think personally on uh, the MCU as it was going through the Infinity Saga and, and the movies and stuff? Like, which one was your favourites and that type of stuff? Ooh. <laughs> oh, um... Well, I, I love them because um, we're all nerds here. Um, that is true. Geek Nation for the win. Fuck <laughs> you. Um, I, I've always been a big fan of the first Avengers movie. That's always been my personal favourite just because I watched all the cartoons and that as a kid, like Earth's Mightiest Heroes and that. Oh, and yep. then to see it all come together in 2012 was pretty exciting. Blew my little grade seven mind. <laughs> um, and then watching it sort of mature with more characters and a lot more story arcs and was that your first Marvel movie that you saw on the big screen I think it was the first Avengers movie yeah it's a great one to start I, with I saw all the other ones on DVD and then it was yeah I think Iron Man was like the first M rated movie I saw oh so. wow <laughs> mate big boys going into the big boy I leagues I know what about you Aiden um yeah no the Infinity Saga was great um and yeah I too enjoyed the first Avengers watching phase one you know obviously starting with Iron Man which was just brilliant it's its own piece it kick-started an entire span of films that no one ever would have seen coming um and yeah watching them slowly introduce all the characters to finally come together in the avengers um you know that one scene on the bridge where they're all standing in a circle and jataria like hanging off the buildings and stuff the music it was just brilliant to see all that come together yeah it's definitely an iconic moment in cinema and you don't necessarily know as a filmmaker, when those moments are going to become, or how they're going to become as big as they are, but like once you show in front of an audience, it's like I remember even watching like fan reactions from like theaters and stuff inside when you're watching Endgame, and you're yeah. just hearing people just go insane when like Cap gets Mjolnir and stuff like yeah. it's like or an Infinity War when Thor arrives. And yeah, Wakanda stuff like that. It's just, just awesome. truly insane to see the reactions and just like, hey, that was my reaction too. You know, mm. what was your first Marvel movie that you saw in theaters? Uh, my first Marvel movie it would have been Iron Man. Okay, so yeah. you saw way back then. Yeah. Wow. Jeez. That's awesome. <laughs> See, I, I was kind of late to the train. My first uh, Marvel movie that I saw in theaters was uh, Winter Soldier. Oh, right. Um, yeah, so I, I came onto the train quite late. That's a good one to uh, start yeah, no, with. Yeah, oh, so another, another, another great one. I, I remember the with. ending of that movie where Sam looks to Cat and is like, when do we start? And then the credits roll, and me, I just freaking lost my mind. I was like, holy shit, this is insane. Um, but yeah, because my uncle, um, he was like big into like comic books and like superhero type stuff. And he was the one that kind of slowly got me on into it and like into that sort of geeky culture and stuff like that. And uh, he gave me like, because he had all the Blu-rays and stuff um, of Phase 1 and then I guess Thor, uh, The Dark World and Iron Man 3 had come, up, come out then. Yeah, yes. we, we don't talk about The Dark World. Yes, true. Or Iron Man um, 3. Also, I'll get on to that in a second. But um, with regards to that, yeah, so he gave me like all the Blu-rays and stuff, including like The Incredible Hulk, which I guess is another reject of the MCU. But anyway. But I guess not because... William Hurt's back a lot. True, true, um, yeah. I just, because I guess it's Edward Norton and he's just like the black sheep of the MCU. 
Um, but anyway, yeah, so he gave me like all the Blu-rays and stuff and like I checked them out, watched phase one, obviously. And then, yeah, I went with him uh, and uh, my auntie and we went and saw like Winter Soldier and yeah, that was insane. So that was, that was definitely a good first movie to, to watch on the big screen. Uh, and then from then on, I've, I've watched every single one um, in theaters and, and, and really enjoyed it. Actually, not true. Actually, I haven't, I didn't see Guardians of the Galaxy in theaters. Really? Um, I don't know why. I just didn't. But anyway. But yeah, basically everyone since, especially since um, Phase 3 started, I remember when Civil War came out, that was a big movie for me because I was like, Spider-Man was coming back oh, and obviously yeah. I'm a huge Spider-Man fan and uh, that was definitely a moment that many people cried out in joy because Spider-Man was in a very tough place after those amazing Spider-Man movies. So the fact that Marvel swooped in, got their sharing arrangement sorted and were able to bring him back in an awesome way was really good to see. Yeah, no, the, the scene where he came in was great, especially for me because... Um Spider-Man was actually what got me interested in Marvel. I remember watching the original trilogy with Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. Mm, and yes. then that's what got me interested in Marvel. And that's why when Iron Man came around, I was already like heavily invested into what Marvel was doing. Even if I didn't know the grand scale that it play out on at that time. Mm. But it's, it's funny you mentioned the, the original Spider-Man movie because that was, I feel like, the staple that really kind of set um, this kind of wave of superhero, um, the superhero genre um, going forward into the 2000s because obviously Spider-Man came out, the X-Men movies came out and I felt like, because Kevin Feige used to work on those movies back yeah. as like a little associate producer or some sort of intern or whatever and uh, I felt like he took a lot of notes from being on those sets and being in that environment and was like, I I know what I want to do yeah. and if we can do it, then... What works and what doesn't work. Exactly, yeah. So when I feel like when he took over... Um, the MCU, or I should say when he became president and back when like the whole Disney Marvel merger was happening, um, I felt like that's when he really got his, his hands ready to go and started interconnecting all this stuff, which has been so, uh, has worked so well over both phase one, two, and three. And uh, I assume it's going to be even more so connected and stuff with regards to Disney Plus and phase four and phase five and stuff. I certainly wouldn't doubt it. Mm. Yeah. Now, the big topic that I want to kind of like loom over this entire episode is um, the last MCU thing that we got was Spider-Man Far From Home in July of 2019. So it's been over a year and almost a year and a half since we've got anything Marvel related. WandaVision is obviously the first show that's come out and is going to be leading the way for phase four. My question is, though, how successful will Marvel be with after a, more than a year without content? Because the Marvel brand, I feel like, has got so big that it has so many diehard fans that I feel like that will carry it in the box office especially. But a lot of the casuals and people who haven't seen the movies and um, the shows and don't live and breathe that stuff on a daily basis, um, will they be interested and will they be able to kind of dive back in from a casual perspective um, what do you guys think on on that? Do you think that the MCU is just going to continue the, the train forward and be as successful as ever it was? Or do you think it might teeter off? I don't think it'll teeter off for quite a few years. I mean, its popularity is still at the top and it'll be hard to gauge it with COVID box office and that. Like, Disney Plus will always... You, you never really know how streaming shows do. But... Um, Movie-wise, like, what will Black Widow get at the box office if it's it, a good question, whenever yeah. it's released? Like, how it, and even if they do bad, it'll just be chucked down to coronavirus. So, I feel like commercially, their success won't be sort of. We won't be able to gauge it until like twenty twenty three or something, mm -hmm. when everything's back to normal. And by then, we're meant to have like six movies or more released by then. So, I don't know. It'd be very curious to see the commercial success with um the world we live in 
but I think it'll still be popular. It'll still be the talk of the internet. It'll still be everyone's favorite sort of franchise and that. But casual fan- fans, like I always sort of use my dad as an example, like a casual fan. He like he really enjoys them, but he's not. He doesn't care when I'm like, oh, but in the comics they do this. He's like, oh. yeah, yeah, I know what um, you mean. My parents are the same. But it's like, yeah, so I'm like, oh, you got to watch WandaVision, Falcon and Winter Soldier, Loki. He's like, oh, I can't be bothered watching because he doesn't really like watching TV shows. But So it'll be curious to see how much you'll have to watch those shows. Like, I feel like you'll need to watch the movies to know what's happening in the shows, but will you necessarily need to see the shows for the movies? Mm. I wonder how Feige will balance that. Like, But then at the same time with where WandaVision's leading into possibly future spider-man doctor strange 2 mm. like you you will need to watch that show to it'll sort be of understand yeah it'll be interesting because i feel like because there are so many shows now i feel like for, like you said the casual person it's a lot of homework to do in order to fully understand the full story so, so just committing yourself to going to the cinema three times a year now you have to do that like three or four times a year plus the TV five stuff. eight hour shows like mm. yeah it's crazy because like the i think the the general thing is that like you know the casual person only goes to a movie theater like once a year this is obviously before covid but like you know normally they only go to see one movie a year just the casual person um normally people like us who are like film geeks and like movies and stuff we go to the theaters like quite a lot but like i don't know it's interesting to think like you know obviously there's like three marvel movies gonna get pumped out a year whether that will still be able to retain the amount of box office and stuff that's been doing um previously but what do you think aiden about with regards to um, Marvel moving forward. Um, I certainly don't think it'd be absurd to notice, you know, a uh, decrease in interest or earnings from moving this point onward. Because obviously, as you said, it's been over a year now, and um, but I don't think it would be too great. I think because I mean, like as we saw with um, Infinity War and Ed Game, there is a huge following for these Marvel films, whether it's just casual. Or a lot of them being, you know, people who got interested way early, whether it was from like the first Iron Man or back in phase one. So I think, I don't think Marvel, Marvel's going to teeter off at all. I think they'll still continue to do well. Um, and obviously, like, I have no idea how many people streamed it or whatever, but from what I've seen on the internet, WandaVision was quite well received by mm. a lot of people. Yeah. So, um, yeah, until their next film comes out, I think they have enough to keep people interested so that they're not going to fall off the. Off the the bandwagon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a good point because I feel like, obviously, with the TV shows, they they can kind of explore these characters that we've seen on the big screen in a different way than what we're used to. And we've definitely noticed that for those, obviously, those who are watching this now, we're recording this after the first two episodes of WandaVision have come out. And that was first two episodes were definitely very weird. What do you guys think without, obviously, spoilers, what do you guys think of the first two episodes? Did you enjoy it for what it was? I watched it with a group of friends and we were just like, we were enjoying it, but it was just like, like, what is it? This is, you know, you don't expect the latest installment from Marvel Studios to be a some sitcom. sitcoms. <laughs> with, and it's like, with characters you know, but it's... In it, a very different way. Yeah, it's just... Yeah, it's... I, I really don't know how to describe it. Like, it's just sort of... It's just enjoyable. It's like a alternate universe almost type mm. thing. It's just like, what's happening here? But it's enjoyable, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I watched it by myself the first two episodes and yeah no i i love them they were great um but yes it's as far as marvel's content's gone so far it is very very quite different Mm. 
It'll be interesting to see whether it continues in the route of like kind of balancing that whole sitcom and then larger MCU vibe moving forward or if it'll be like a drastic switch later on. I'm not too sure. But obviously that's the big front runner. WandaVision's come out of the gates. Wanda and Vision are two very obscure characters who have a very strange relationship. I'll say when they first were introduced in Age of Ultron, were you kind of like on that train of like, like let's see these two get together? I, I knew it in the comics, but I was like, I'm not feeling it in the movie. And then Civil War, it's like a big jump there. And then Infinity War, it's like they're on holidays banging. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's like it was such a drastic jump and... I think it did work for the, at the end of Infinity War when Vision dies. It's like mm. you did feel that that loss, but I didn't. I wasn't super emotional about it because I'm like, they weren't really sort of like I don't know. It was a bit, and then to see it now in One Vision, it's it's sort of like yeah, I don't know. It's just it's weird, but it works. Well, it's weird, but weird. it works. Well, it's you got to think about it. It's there's this woman who is literally dating a robot, so yeah. it, it's weird for sure. Um, what do you think, Aiden? Um, yeah, I'm kind of on the same page of Declan there. Like watching Edge of Ultra and watching them both in, be introduced. Like again from the comics, I like I knew, but like watching, I was like, I just like I don't I don't think I see it yet. You know, I was kind of just more excited to see Vision and um you know Scarlet Witch on screen, and then of course yeah the the jump in Civil War is kind of just like well that's that that's happening I guess, and then yeah of course in Infinity War they're on holidays together being cute romantic. I feel yeah, like yeah. it worked in Infinity War because they were just like, it's a thing. Like, they weren't even like, they weren't stuffing around. They yeah, were just they like, totally embraced they're it. They're like, this is this is it. Get yeah. on board or not. They it's didn't like, have okay. to <laughs> spend time, like, building the relationship. Like, obviously, they did a bit in Civil War where it's yeah. just like, kind of just like, these two might be interested in each other. And, you know, we jump into Infinity War and we're like, we're seeing the relationship as it is. Mm. So. And, and that's the thing with, like, Obviously, when you can only tell like a two-hour story, it, you're really confined with the amount of real estate you can give to those smaller characters who have such a big story potential, but like they're not the focus of the main story. Exactly, That's where yeah. I feel like shows like WandaVision on Disney Plus will be a great opportunity for those smaller characters to really shine and come through. But I think it's interesting that you guys said it was a, you know it was it took you a bit of a while uh, to get on board. I was there straight away. I was like, these guys get together in the comics. Yeah, let's freaking do it i want to see that because they're just so weird and like um, the whole idea of these two characters because they're like obviously so connected by the mind stone um i was like that's this i feel like there's so much interesting real estate with storytelling you can do there and i think it was yeah really well done i thought the way that they slowly did it over the movies even though obviously you're playing with a quite a considerable amount of time between uh, age of ultron and then infinity war the amount of time between those two movies is obviously quite significant but from the stuff we did see on screen with those characters, I thought it was quite good. And um, oh, yeah, the moment with Wanda and, and Vision at the end of Infinity War I, I, was quite emotional for me. I was like, "Damn, that's because that's, I love Vision. I think he's one of my favorite characters, even though he's very um, what's the word? Um, without better, like with lack of a better term, he's very robotic. So um, he, he's very uh, straight to the point. Like that moment, in Civ- yeah, yeah, in that moment in Civil War where he's like, you know. Uh, when he has that monologue of like, you know, what we do invites challenge and conflict and all that type of stuff. That's like one of my favorite moments because I was like, it's it's such a great um, analytical way of looking at what the Avengers have done and yeah. the consequences of such a thing. So, That's a good um, but yeah, so WandaVision is obviously the first um, big thing in phase four. Um, we've, I think all three of us are on the same page of we're really enjoying it and we're very keen to see what happens next. Um, now, the next big question that I have is Black Widow. This is a movie that we've all been looking forward to for a very long time, but it just still hasn't come out. 
And Kevin Feige and Marvel are eager to get this movie out this year. Do you guys think it's still going to make it in its make it to theaters? I don't know. It's sort of well, America's just getting worse with. It all depends on America. Like they're not going to release Black Widow. It's Widow unfortunate they are the center of the universe in a lot of, a lot of yeah. respects, and they're the worst. Like yeah, hopefully maybe by the middle of the year they will get their cases down, and then they'll feel more comfortable releasing films in theaters. But like you had Tenant, which made three hundred and fifty mil worldwide mm. in August, and then you have Wonder Woman, which I, th- I don't think it's even made half of that. No, I'll say, yeah, the the drop-off for Wonder Woman um, after its first weekend was very significant. So, well, Wonder Woman's a different case because that movie was not well-received by the vast majority of people. You could also say Tenet wasn't either. Mm, True. It was very mixed. So, Um, just my quick Google search says here that it got, it made 363.1 million US dollars um, at the box office. So, which is decent. Which is decent for a global pandemic to make Mm. it. Yeah, but Wonder Woman did really poorly, so it's like... Also, the thing with that was it had the HBO Max um, release as well. So I feel like a lot of people who would have gone in the theatres are like, nah. But still, even overseas, that's just for America. Mm. And it is a bit behind Tenant domestically, but worldwide, it's still way behind Tenant. So it's like, what happened overseas? Especially seeing overseas is handling COVID much better. Mm. So what... Yeah, people just don't feel safe going to the theatres or... My only know. hope would be is that the movie's coming out like early May, late April, right? That sort of time frame for us. So, you know, that's a couple months away. Assuming America gets their shit together, I feel like we might be able to get it on time, assuming everything goes good and, and nothing goes wrong. Um, again, if it does get delayed, that would be unfortunate because it has been a long time since we've watched a Marvel movie on the big screen. I think it will. I think May's... Like, we've almost, we're almost at the end of end of january like that went like that and yeah i, feel, I, th- I think a lot of movies will get pushed to the end of this year and then we'll, we'll get carry over into mm. 2022 do you think it's gonna hit the release date um no, that's my guess i don't think it will yeah I, I i would hazard a guess at no um obviously here in australia we're lucky enough to be doing um very cer- well. certainly quite better than the u.s so um yeah as 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 you said, you made a good point. Unfortunately, in a lot of circumstances, the US is the center of the universe. A lot of what we'll see with Marvel's release dates and content is to do with them. So mm. It's just annoying because, you know, we here in Australia, like, we can go to the theaters and it's, like, all smooth sailing, but it's, like, we can't watch these great movies that are literally sitting on a shelf somewhere waiting to yeah. be watched because America wants to make the most amount of money they can uh, and I the wonder- rest of the world has to suffer for it. Yeah, I wonder if Disney will trial, like doing the premiere access thing again for Black Widow mm. just in America, but they'll release it theatrically worldwide. That's a good theory. I, I, I Even though America's a huge box office portion, but if they're not going to be better for a, a, like another year, you can't... I don't yeah, know. I think that they do... Like, I think that would be a good idea if they did something similar with regards to the United States gets the Disney Plus access and then the rest of the world can go see it in theatres. I just think that they won't do that based off what Kevin Feige said recently with that Disney investors yeah. meeting is that like this movie's coming out in theaters and he seemed very adamant on that fact. So yeah. I feel like, and from his perspective and Marvel's perspective, like you can see why they're so adamant on getting it out in theaters because a lot of people said, oh, this is going to go to Disney plus straight away. And then it didn't for like the longest time. And we're like, hmm, that's interesting. Uh, but I feel like the reason that they're making it go to theaters is because 
it's a Black Widow movie. Natasha has been in the MCU and Scarlett Johansson's been around for so long. I feel like they're building this moment specifically for her, especially because she's now done with the MCU. Like, obviously, she's dead yeah. at the end of Endgame. So it's like, this is going to be her last hurrah. And I feel like they want her last hurrah to be in a big screen with a packed theatre in that sort of atmosphere. Kevin Feige might want that, but when the Disney CEO doesn't see enough money coming in, he'll be like, I don't give a shit about what Scarlett Maybe. Johansson wants. Yeah. I want my money. We, we could invested right. hundreds of millions of dollars into this movie. As you said, there would have been that meeting and he said adamantly, you know, like this is going to release in theatres, but between it's either that or they wait until it's safe to release. And, you know, as brilliant as Disney's done handling an entire cinematic universe, I think a global pandemic's a bit beyond his reach. So I 100% agree. M- yeah. Movies like Spider-Man will get released in theatres, Thor, Doctor Strange, because they're all such massive movies with like... They're, they're almost Avengers-level movies because they have so many characters in them. But movies like Black Widow... Oh, Eternals also... Mm. Yeah. The, Black, Black Widow's something... Her story's already done. There's some... Well, yeah, I won't say any spoilers for Black Widow. But yeah, her her story specifically is done and it's like, yeah. it's a weird movie to start phase four in the first place. I agree. Um, so it's, it, it, it could be a good one for Disney+. Plus. Yeah, it, it's interesting because I feel like she's such, a, she's such a great character, but I feel she works so much better as a side character. The fact that she's now going to be the protagonist of her own movie, I think is an interesting choice. And again, I feel like the main reason they're doing it is because of Scarlett Johansson. But again, I, I shouldn't make these accusations before I've seen the movie. They, they might actually have like a really good story that makes sense once we've seen it. You know, like I always make that comparison to Toy Story 4. When that got announced and the trailers were coming out, everyone's like, why do we need to see Toy Story 4? It ended at Toy amazing. Story 3 and it was a great ending. Why are we going to ruin it? And I was like, just wait, see it. And then when Toy Story 4 comes out, I don't know what your thoughts are on that movie, but I loved it because there was yeah, a story really to be good. told and it made so much sense and then the ending just was perfect for me. Yeah. So I can't comment. I haven't seen Toy Story 4. <laughs> All right, that's a fair comment. Well, we'll swiftly move on to the next big uh, Marvel project, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We've actually seen a trailer for this and what do you guys think of the little footage that we got? It looks cool. It looks generic, but I mean, it's Falcon and Winter Soldier. It's not going to be groundbreaking. To be fair, I'm re- I'm really excited for it, but you know, compared to something like One Division or or Loki, which looks like some Doctor Who wacky type mm. stuff, and then you just got Falcon and the Winter Soldier blowing up shit. It's like cool. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I I was a bit off put by Declan's remark just then because <laughs> I was kind of on a different page, but like I, as, I was as, gonna say, I was the same. Yeah, as, as he said it, it made more sense. Like I'm really excited for it, and I think it's gonna be like really really cool. But um. You know, as Declan said, um, from the trailers we've seen, it doesn't look like it has the potential to be so uh, greatly involved with the greater MCU as something like WandaVision or Loki, where there's a lot of, you know, otherworldly things that can um, Affect have a stuff. much greater effect on the mm. rest of the universe, whereas Falcon and Winter Soldiers be we're going to beat guys up and be very cool. Yeah. Like, they might have some important villains, and I don't know, maybe we're wrong. But I, I, I think there will be importance. Uh, if anything... I think WandaVision will have the most importance to like the next few years over the MCU. I feel like that's why they're starting with Especially with, it, yeah. with what they're saying about how it'll lead into Doctor some of these Strange. other bigger Doctor mm. Strange, Spider-Man 3, etc. Mm. But um, I, I feel like Loki's probably the least going to be intertwined with the MCU because he's sort of doing his own stuff in his own timeline. It's line, an alternate universe, in yeah. type thing. 
I, I'm still more excited for that one, but I feel like it's less important to watch. Like someone like my dad could skip Loki because mm. I don't think it's going to have much impact on anything. Whereas Falcon and the Winter Soldier probably will, but it just, I was sort of talking about like creatively, it doesn't look the most inspiring, but yeah, I'm so still going to watch it. Oh, of course. Well, yeah. yeah. That's the big thing I'm with everything, right? I'm going to be there day one, sitting on the couch watching it going, yeah. Well, that's the same thing with like Star Wars fans, right? It's like they always like to, crit- like including myself, we like to criticize Star Wars and talk about how bad some things are. But we always rock up day one exactly, and still, yeah. you, know, you know, consume the content. But I'll say the two things that, I, that stand out to me with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier is when I did see that trailer was the scene where... Um, uh, when Falcon is flying through the rocks and stuff and just like how cinematic and crazy that looked. And I'm just like, like I just had to snap myself out and be like, this is a TV show. Like yeah. this looks like better than Game of Thrones. And Game of Thrones was like the pinnacle of like television. You know what I mean? With regards yeah. to visual effects and, and stylistic nature. Do you disagree with that? I've got to see a bit more to see if it, I'm just seeing as bad as the last season was. It's like the last season was pretty damn cinematic. Oh, well, Game yeah, of Thrones. yeah i got to see but a bit more saying, of Falcon like, and Winter Soldier to compare Okay, to well, that. that's fair. But I, I feel like what, what I'm trying to say then is, I guess... Um, Just off the bat, it's The visual expensive. effects always... Yeah, look, exactly, yeah. yeah. It already has like that see, sort of uh, big box office uh, cinematic type Like uh, season one of Game it. of Thrones versus season one of Falcon and the Winter Soldiers. Exactly. Will be, Falcon and Winter Soldier will be much more expensive looking. Mm. But, um, yeah. And the other thing that stood out to me, or I, I should say has stood out to me from the news that I've heard, that hasn't been released publicly yet, um, but obviously there's a character that they're introducing and I assume you guys are aware of this um, who's going to be playing like a Captain America type character um, who's not oh, yeah. Falcon. Um, I forget the name of the character off the top of my US head. US agent. Yeah, he's going to be like some guy. So I, my thing is that I am speculating is I feel like the government is going to come in and be like, the next Captain America is this guy. And then Sam and you know Bucky are going to be like, but Cap gave me the shield. Yeah. I've got the mantle. And then it's going to be like two warring ideologies of like the government using that title and then Sam, who deserves it, trying to war with that and then, you know, trying to overcome that sort of internal struggle. So that's what is most appealing to me about the show is this whole sort of political aspect and um, Sam coming into his own as not only the Falcon, but now as Captain America. And then you also got Zemo in it as well. And Mm. if maybe he's controlling US agent and... That would be cool. He's got his I'm just glad he's going to wear the bloody purple ski mask. Yeah. It looks so ridiculous, but I'm so excited. So yeah. um, Now, obviously, we've mentioned Loki, and you said that you're very excited for this. I am on the other spectrum. I'm not excited for this. Well, not, I am, but like it's one of my least anticipated things. Only because of what you mentioned, I feel like it's going to have the least ramifications over the main story that we're telling. Yes and no. I just thought of something from the trailer. They have shots like the big sculptures in the background of the Time Variance Agency and they have Kang the Conqueror's face. Oh, really? So they might that might also set up Kang the mm. Conqueror for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Yes, that's I, I was correct. wondering if you two remembered that scene in the trailer when you're saying there'd be no greater ramifications. Yeah, I know. I was I was like, <laughs> they seem to have forgotten something here. <laughs> I'll say I, I don't remember that off the top of my head, but I guess, yeah, you're right. Maybe, yeah. see, this is the biggest thing that interests me is that because it is set in an alternate universe and we obviously know that Doctor Strange is going to be playing with the multiverse, maybe it does play more in than what a lot of people are expecting because I just was like, oh, it's an alternate universe thing. Loki's going to do some fun stuff and it'll be a cool show to watch. Yeah. One and done sort of thing. But maybe I'm wrong and maybe it does tie well, in a lot ta- more. They're already talking about season two for that. Oh, really? 
because yeah the showrunner of that's coming back for that Ooh. but they, they haven't talked about season two for WandaVision or Falcon and the Winter Soldier mm. so I feel like those might have more connection to the greater MCU because that, that'll lead into you know if Falcon does become Captain America at the end maybe he'll jump back into the movies and Wanda and Vision have their thing going on that'll lead into Doctor Strange and that whereas Loki he might just they might sort of tease and roughly set up Kang the Conqueror but it might be fully up to like it'd be weird if Loki showed up in A-Man and the Wasp Quantumania it could happen mm. <laughs> but like if that does happen then it'll be like wow they really do expect you to watch these shows to keep to up to really and, you understand know, yeah and, you know my dad might not watch Loki and then all of a sudden Loki rocks up in Ant-Man and the Wasp 3 and he's like what and then it just and that's where you could lose a lot of casual fans because they just feel so behind and as soon as you start feeling behind you just shut off and and you know he'll he'll yes. come back for Avengers 5 or something or you know another Thor movie but he might not be as Yeah one thing you said there that I agree with is that a lot of casual fans might turn off I feel that's what's happened with the Fantastic Beast franchise after Crimes of Grindelwald that movie had was so dense in obscure mythology yeah that a lot of casuals were like i don't understand this like i'm a harry potter casual so I, yeah as soon same, as, as, and, same and when they were going on about stuff in like the end scene where they're all talking about names and family members i was like i'm lost i'm out like, yeah well just... what i find interesting about that movie and we'll talk about this briefly is that that movie was so poorly received even from the harry potter fans so it was like it wasn't even like on a marvel level where these easter eggs and like references are so like so great because if you know it you know it but if you don't then it's not that big a deal mm. like even the harry potter fans were like i don't understand any of this so that's yep. what i think marvel does so well is that they have little references here and there to the comics or to television shows and then that makes the universe yeah. so much more richer you know I, i'm i'm a harry potter fan myself so you know i went and watched crimes of grindelwald and i'll be honest like yeah no it it wasn't great um and you know i can i can certainly appreciate the perspective of you know like a casual harry potter fan coming and watching this and um, as Declan mentioned, that end scene where they're just like listing a bunch of names and like family members and a lot of that's going to go right over, you know, the average viewer's head. And, you know, like obviously like I understood it and I got the importance, but I think as a whole, the film was just uh, poorly executed, I think. Oh, I agree. It Fucking had the potential. Boring. But yeah. <laughs> it, it was weird because... Very poorly executed. I just remember walking out of the theatre and being so confused, but like... I just assumed maybe the Harry Potter fans understood it. And then when the internet reactions came out and it was just so not the case, I was like, oh, maybe I was justified in feeling the way that I did. But You know, we understood it. We just didn't like it. Exactly, yeah. Um, now, next big Marvel movie that comes out after Black Widow is, I believe, Shang-Chi. Eternals, I think. Was it Eternals? All right, well, I think they're coming out the same year, right? Black Widow, Eternals, Shang-Chi. It could be anything. Anyway, anyway so Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Now, this is a movie that... Filmed I in Australia. True, yes. I think down in uh, Sydney. Sydney, right? I think they're going to be filming the Thor movie there as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that'll be cool. Um, but yeah, this. Is, what did you guys think of Shang-Chi? Because like, I don't really know much about this hero, but I yeah. know the mythology, and if they dive into it, then I yeah. think that'd be really well, cool. They've got the Mandarin in there, mm. and if they're doing the Mukluan rings properly and stuff like that, and I'll, I'll be cool. That'll be cool. As a Iron Man Armored Adventures fan... <laughs> Yeah, uh, Iron Man Armored Adventures was great, which is, uh, you mentioned earlier that Iron Man 3 is another film we don't talk about. And obviously, like, having watched Armored Adventures when Iron Man 3 came around, I'll admit, when I watched the film, I was incredibly disappointed. But, 
But so. um, actually, like, I still didn't mind Iron Man 3, you know? Um, I, I enjoy it for it what like, it is. It's just that one Mandarin yeah. thing that I'm like... Because, like, Ben Kingsley was so good in the first half of that movie when he's, like, being serious and ominous. It's like... Because yeah. oh, I was legit scared of him. And then they do this, like, hilarious... My name's Trevor. Dumb, <laughs> yeah, it's just so dumb. It just completely undercut that villain because... Um, what was the other guy? Um... The, guy, the fire Aldrich guy. Killian. That's Aldrich it. Aldrich Killian. Killian. Guy, it was yes. like, why is he here? He was, I am the Mandarin. Mm. But I, yeah, like I you, just I hated him as a character, not even as a villain. I was just like, I don't want him on screen right now. Exactly. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no. I mean, like, despite the letdown, it was still like I enjoyed it. It showed that you know Tony doesn't need his suit to be and, a hero. Yeah. It still it's told the story well enough. It wasn't the story we were expecting or you know wanted perhaps, but it was still well done. Mm. So do you think that a lot of that Iron Man mythology that we've seen very teased upon with regards to the Mandarin, um, do you think that's going to be very prominent in Shang-Chi or is it going to be like this? Shang-Chi's going to be like this I like, holy thing. I think so because the title thing. is like Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So it's, it'll, it'll clearly be a big aspect of the film, I think. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I really don't know anything about Shang-Chi himself. So My one hope for this movie is that I, I just hope that it's a super badass, kick-ass action kung fu movie because uh, that's what i hoped for the iron fist show on netflix and i so did not get that um so hopefully that this don't movie speak about iron fist. No, sorry don't. i apologize for bringing it up um but no i hope this movie is just like a really badass kung fu movie like I've that's what i hope i've heard some people say it's like a mortal Kombat ripoff in a sense that there's like big arena sort of stuff in the movie so that could be cool mm. again it's hard to speculate when we haven't seen or really know any of the story details yeah. yet I am hoping they do dive into it though. They almost owe it to us. After I don't know if you guys remember the one, well, the one shot film they released, uh, "All Hail the King." Yes, mm. yes, that was really good too. Yeah, no, that was like really. I mean, watching that, I was like really excited. And you know, obviously, it's been quite a while since that was released, <laughs> and now here we are with Shang Chi and the Ten Rings. And do you think Ben Kinsley's going to be in this movie? No, I. They're not going to reference it at all. I I wouldn't Maybe. bet on it. Maybe a cameo at best. Maybe but, re- I'd agree with referencing. Yeah. Because, like, that scene, like, kind of sets up this movie in a way. Like, it's like the Mandarin wants his name back. So it's like, I feel like it'd be funny if the opening scene of this movie is Ben Kingsley on the floor and then the real Mandarin just, like, kills him or something. That'd be hilarious. I don't know if they do something silly like that, but, yeah. like, I don't know. I'm not sure if they will reference that that little one shot that even is quite the, obscure to the MCU, but... Even if the opening segment to the film before, like, the credit title is just the prelude, that, yeah. the, the one, um, All Hail the King. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I I think it'd be it would make sense for them to reference it, but then again, I don't know how many people are even aware of it to even understand the reference. But um, again, the MCU is so vast. I'm sure there's fans out there that are more than yeah. um, they know more about it than than the casuals. But Shang Chi is a movie that I'm looking forward to. I'm very excited for, but again, don't know enough about it to really speculate on too much. Another movie that I have no idea really anything about is The Eternals, because I feel like this is very similar to Guardians of the Galaxy in the way that it's like, uh, this is a movie in space with these weird characters that are a ragtag team. But apparently it's set on Earth a lot, and but I, don't, I have but no idea. Thousands of years old. I don't. I don't the know. The only thing I know from this is I've seen that one concept image of yeah. like them I'm in like, this yeah blue atmosphere. It's like I don't know. I'm like they have a cool cast. That's that's all about all I know. Exactly. Yeah. So, Aiden, do you have any sort of um, thoughts on it? Yeah, no, I mean, like, I've seen a lot of the casting and, like, I'm excited in that sense. They've done a good job there. Um, I haven't seen the concept image that you're referring to, so my knowledge of this is almost zero. Okay, but, um, fair enough. 
I mean, they've done well with everything else so far. But um, so, yeah, I'd say I'm excited. Um, I'm sure it'll be interesting. Well, I say, I feel like, again, linking back to what I was saying earlier with Guardians of the Galaxy, that was a franchise that, well, these were a bunch of characters that no one knew anything about. It came out and now everyone knows the name Star-Lord and Gamora and Groot, especially Groot. And that thing is commercialized to the nth degree. Um, now, this is something that I am a bit confused by. Is Spider-Man 3 coming out before Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness? Yes. Why? Because if what we've heard is true, how does this make sense? I think the idea is that... Again, I don't know if we should like, even mention what we know because I don't know if it's a spoiler or not. Because I've heard these things, I'm like, I wish I didn't know that. So maybe if you're watching this and you don't know the certain things that have been leaked, we won't mention it here. But let's just say Kevin Feige has publicly said that this links into Doctor Strange and WandaVision. And Spider-Man linking into that. It's a three-part story, kind of. It goes Mm. from WandaVision to Spider-Man to Doctor Strange. I just don't understand how this Spider-Man movie links in at all to that based off how the previous one ended. I think that... It'll sort of introduce the multiverse and all the crazy shit going on in Spider-Man and then Doctor Strange 2 will be like the Avengers-type movie to try and fix it and combat it. Mm, okay. Maybe yeah, maybe Doctor Strange is a lot more vast in scale than, than I was anticipating. I yeah. think that's why Scott Derrickson left because it just turned into it turned into like a Captain America Oh, really? Is that what you where, think? And so that's why they got Sam Raimi because it's going to be a much bigger movie. Oh, Sam Raimi. Wow, that's actually interesting. That's an interesting take because I assumed the reason he left was because um, the movie's going to be like a horror movie, right? And Scott Derrickson is I, a horror director. And I think, the, or I assumed the reason he got fired was because he was making a horror movie and Kevin Feige was like, this is, this is too scary. We can't do this. This isn't, this is not, this is too much. And he's like, well, if it's too much, then I'm out. That's my assumption. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're correct in assuming that. I think originally Phase 4 was a little bit different, but then but Marvel is known for when DC announces something, they then do it first. Like, the Russos have said Captain America's Civil War was never a thing. Like, it was that... And then when DC announced Batman v Superman, then they beat, or you know... Beat him Civil to the War. punch, yeah. DC announced that they were doing Flashpoint stuff. Kevin Feige is like, okay, well, WandaVision does do this, so then it could lead into Spider-Man 3, which can lead into Doctor Strange, and I think that's why Scott Derrickson dropped out when he realised that Feige was switching course. I feel like originally, as you saw at the end of Far From Home, they were setting up Secret Invasion as more of the next big arc, Mm. but it seems like they're trying to fit in multiverse first and then lead back into Secret Invasion a bit more just to beat DC to the punch. Hmm. That's a fair take. Because at the end of the day, it's whoever gets there first. Like, John Carter was around before Superman, but everyone remembers Superman. And when people think about multiverse, they'll think about what Marvel did before DC. Mm. Feige wants to beat them to the punch. If you can't... if Yeah, I say, what's that saying? Is if you can't be... Um, I forget the saying. But basically, if you're first in, then everyone's going to remember you. You might not yeah, even have to be the best, but if you're first... Exactly. Yeah. Do it first, do it worst. Well, <laughs> that's one perspective, yes. Uh, I'll say DC has had a very poor track record. And I feel of, like with Disney with Plus movies. sort of starting up and Feige realising how much more he can do, he's sort of like plans change a bit and then COVID's given him more time to mm. redo stuff. And Yeah, I feel that's like... That's my prediction. 
Well, now that because they have had so much more time to think about the stuff, I feel like there's no real excuse for bad script writing or any of that type of stuff. Mm. Um, so we'll see. Um, now, another show that's coming out, Marvel Studios' first animated show, What If? Now, this is something I'm really excited for because I'm like an animated show that like takes one thing from one of the movies, changes it, and now we get like an alternate story on that one thing. Mm. I think it's really interesting. So are you guys actually cool. excited for this? Yeah, I think it'd be cool to like sit down and it's probably like shows like WandaVision and Falcon and like that, you know, you sort of, or for me at least, I'm like, oh, I want to watch it with my friends and like, you know, it's like an event almost. Whereas like, what if I'll sort of sit sit by myself and just watch it? I feel like, like, yeah, it'll be oh, inconsequential, cool. yeah. Yeah, it'll just be its own little thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. Like, a, it'll be something that, you know, if I... I don't need to watch week to week. Like, you know, if I'm busy one weekend, I'll be like, oh, I'll just watch it on Monday instead of Friday night after watch it. Yeah, type thing. exactly. No, I agree. Um, uh, yeah, no, I'm certainly excited. Um, as Declan said, not in the same sense as to watching, uh, you know, WandaVision or uh, Loki because, um, you know, ultimately it's inconsequential, but, you know, like it's it should be a good bit of fun, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, certainly to like watch alone and just be like, oh, so like, that's, that how, could have been that's cool how they that would have played happened, it yeah. out if they did it differently, you know? Mm. So, Like to casual fans, they, like my dad will not sit down and watch What If, but people like us will be like, oh, yeah, Sit down, that. consume it and think, yeah. what if? Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, the thing, the two storylines that they've promoted the most from this show is um, obviously Peggy Carter becoming uh, Captain Carter because she takes the super soldier serum instead of Steve. Um, now, that's a cool concept. I, I'm really excited to see her in more of a um, beat-em-up type role. That would be cool. Um, but the other thing, obviously, that we've seen is that, um, that there's an Iron Man suit back then. So are we mm. to assume that Howard creates a suit for Steve? That would be cool if they do that. So yeah. who knows? Um, and then the other one that they've advertised quite uh, prominently is um, Black Panther, or I should say T'Challa, is picked up by the Guardians of the Galaxy and becomes a, a Ravager. Yeah. So that's a weird one. Like I did that's, not expect that at all. Yeah. Quite odd. That is um, very odd, right? Yeah, no, going from like, hey, what if Peggy became Captain America? So what if Black Panther was abducted by aliens? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like one's more like, oh yeah, one's more like, that's random. Mm. But again, that sort of randomness is what makes it most intriguing, I feel like, because it might go in a direction that you would not expect that I feel will lead to entertainment. So I think that's the reason they're doing this show is, again, going off that idea of what they did in the comics of like taking one aspect and then twisting it in a new direction and then just telling this one-off story that people will enjoy mm. as like a one-off thing. So, But What If is definitely a show I'm looking forward to and uh, hopefully the animation is quite good because from what we've seen thus far, it looks quite good, but yeah. we'll wait and see. Now, this is a show that I have mixed feelings on, Hawkeye. What do you think, Declan, about Hawkeye? I don't... Well, there's also... They're trying to set up the Young Avengers in the MCU. They've recast Ant-Man's daughter in Ant-Man 3 with a more experienced actress. So, And she's meant to be sort of one of the leaders of the Young Avengers. Kate Bishop is. So they're sort of... They're, they're setting up lots of different arcs. Like, you know, the Infinity Saga was... It's all leading to Thanos. Whereas, like, Phase 4, it's like multiverse secret invasion young avengers kang it's like got a bunch of different there's a lot of story things strands. starting up and yeah so i think i think it it'll be important to watch because kate bishop's going to become an important character 
It could also be interesting to... If people are interested in Hawkeye, I think it will develop his character significantly and give him something interesting to do for once. Um, it'll be interesting, but I, I'm curious to see how that will do with like casual fans because like, my dad... <laughs> well, I'm just going to use my dad constantly <laughs> as an example of a casual fan. It's like he doesn't really want to watch super kitty sort of stuff within the MCU. So he wasn't the biggest fan of like something like Homecoming, which I disagree with him, but anyway. Um, but like something like Young Avengers, he's, even if they make, if they set them all up on Disney Plus and then make a Young Avengers movie, I don't think he'll want to watch that. Mm. So I'd be curious to see if they, how that'll do with casual fans. Um, but yes, that'll stem from what do I think about Hawkeye? Yeah, I'll watch it. <laughs> Um, yeah, look, I'll be honest, I had deadass completely forgotten that it was going to be a TV show <laughs> until you mentioned it just then. Um, but look, um, that's not to say that I'm not interested in what they'll do with it. Um, you know, it's Marvel content, so I'm certainly interested. I wouldn't say that I'm excited um, at all, but um, yeah, definitely interested to see what they do. Literally, the only thing that has me excited for this show is that um, Haley Steinfeld is going to be playing... Kate Bishop. Bishop. That's the only thing. Because I, I really have liked her previous work and I think she's the perfect choice for that character. So assuming it all works out well and they have um, Jeremy Renner and, and Hayley Steinfeld have really good chemistry on screen, I feel that that's what the show will... I think that'll be the biggest strength for the show. Is chemistry, um, yeah. But the story itself, I, again, I feel like it is a setup show. I don't feel like the story is integral. Even though we will be seeing more of Hawkeye's time as Ronan before Endgame, that might be interesting, but again, I'm not super excited for this, but I'm a Marvel fan and I agree with you, and I'm going to check it out for sure. Yeah. Um, now, another show coming out, Miss Marvel. Um, any thoughts on this? No, not interested. I, I, I say I don't know anything about this character except for the fact that she is like a Pakistan girl who lives in America and has stretchy powers. Yeah. That's the extent of and my knowledge. And she's a big fan of Captain Marvel. Yes, exactly, yeah. But I feel like we've only just been introduced to Captain Marvel, so to already sort of be expanding her universe so mm. quickly seems a bit... I'm like, I'm still trying to get used to her. She's only really had one movie and then showed up for a second in Endgame to save the day. Like, And it's already weird that we're already going in and expanding her universe because Miss Marvel, the little girl she's going to be in captain marvel too that's mm -hmm. already been confirmed yes so it's yeah i don't i don't know it feels a bit too early to sort of be introducing her in my opinion um i'm not that's probably one of the shows i'm least excited for just because as a white dude i'm not really that interested in watching a little girl with stretchy powers save the that's day more than it, do, it doesn't interest me whereas like something like hawkeye i'm like yeah kate bishop's cool and she's also got hawkeye's a her sidekick kind of it's like there's something relatable in each of the other shows but for me mm. yeah with miss marvel i feel like the, 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 um, the thing that i think is most intriguing about the show is that yeah like you said that captain marvel connection because obviously that character was introduced in the avengers game that came out recently mm. so i feel like that might be a which bombed by the way so i haven't played it i still want to check out the story because i i'm intrigued to see what they do but again i did hear it, it didn't do very well but that was the first introduction of that character um, to the mainstream people exactly so and it bombed so it's like well is there any interest can you blame in that on miss marvel though or do you think it's just that game wasn't very good probably that but still fair enough <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just I, I feel like this character has potential, but again, not enough people know about why she's important to the MCU yeah. just yet. Like, I, I mean, again, I feel like it's more set up for Young Avengers. Like stuff. I mean, I'll, I'll watch it and I'll I'll probably like enjoy it because it's MCU stuff. But I'm not. I don't think I'll be like getting keen. Oh, this Friday I'm going to watch Miss Marvel. I'll be like, yeah, I'll watch it on like Sunday or Saturday or whatever. Like it's not. Declan says all this, and Miss Marvel's going to be the best show out of all the MCU things. And just if just it is, watch. I hope it is. <laughs> I hope I get like blown away, and I'm like, damn, this is a great show, A plus. But I don't think it will. Yeah, I'm kind of on the same page with Declan there as with um, the Hawkeye one. This is another one that kind of flew under my radar. Like I heard about it, and then like haven't proceeded to give it much thought. So um, yeah. again. I'm certainly interested to see what they do with it, but I'm not like I'm not waiting for it. I'm not excited, but um, yeah. Now, something I'm sure has been on all of our minds because it's so prominently talked about: Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. This is obviously a movie that I feel like is an epicenter for a lot of these big stories that are coming together. Why do you think that the sequel to Doctor Strange is going to be such a large-scale crossover event? I mean, you got to look at it as it's not like it's Doctor Strange and then Doctor Strange 2 because, like, with these films, it just it doesn't work that way. You have to go and watch each an individual film because each is its own piece in, like, a singular story. And obviously we've wrapped up with the Infinity Saga, but, you know, we're still in the same universe. So, um, you know, the same rules apply. We've got to go and watch each individual film, so... Like, obviously, it's going to be vastly different, but it's not like Doctor Strange and then Doctor Strange 2, it's Doctor Strange and, you know, however many films it's been now in between. And obviously, it's like, mm. we've obviously seen a massive build-up in, like, the proportion of events that play out. So, I think between the first one and the second one, for people who are interested in viewing Marvel films properly and, you know, go and see each one, I don't think it's going to be too drastic a change to be like, this is way too different from the last one. Hmm. I, th- I think they're just sort of these solo movies are just getting bigger each time like Thor Love Becoming and Thunder is a Thor yeah. and Guardians of the Galaxy movie Doctor Strange is a Avengers type movie I'm sure Guardians of the Galaxy 3 will also then have Thor in that as well um, Captain Marvel 2 will have Miss Marvel and it'll probably be part of the Secret Invasion sit- like they're all big events in their own um, it is a, like a, a part of me is like, oh, I would have loved to see a Scott Derrickson sequel horror sort of. I really wanted to see that. Like but still big Sam scale. Raimi, I think, is the next best choice. So yeah. Oh, we, definitely. We like Sam Raimi. Yeah. Yes. Like a part of me wants to see these sort of smaller solo movies and then you have your big Avengers movie every three years. But Maybe we I can mean, petition for a what if episode of Doctor <laughs> Strange. What <laughs> if it was directed by Scott Derrickson? Yeah. <laughs> that, would be, that would be interesting. But um, yeah, I... I think just the way the MCU is sort of building and the way Kevin Feige's setting everything out, sort of, it had to be that big. And mm. my theory is that the how the phase one, two, and three were all leading to Thanos. I feel like the next couple phases are all going to be leading to multiverse drama. I feel like the multiverse stuff will be the next Thanos level event um, that will lead I, to some sort of Avengers. As movie I said, or like they're setting up Kang, who's meant to be a huge villain. Mm. That you know, to, for Ant Man and. Ant-Man and the Wasp 3, I'm like, Kang, as the, what? Yeah, I agree. He's, he's an Avengers strange. villain. You, yeah, you've got, and then Secret Invasion, I feel like that's a big event that you set up as well, but maybe they're going to slow build that for like 10 years as well. Mm. Um, they've got a lot, I feel like Multiverse will be the 
big the next big thing but i think that'll be wrapped up within two years okay well see that's the that's like one of the questions that i have in my head most of the time is like as you've said they've set up like four different things for them to pursue now here in phase four but um as as nicely as the infinity saga was all wrapped up it was beautiful it like ended well like um, like there's still a few loose ends that like were never closed. Look at um, the end of Doctor Strange. Mordo came in, said he started his whole uh, vendetta against sorcerers. He's like, we have too many. We need to start yeah. getting rid of them. So I, s- I, gonna- I suppose solo movies. There's always the continuing thread, but I guess a threat that affects everyone in the universe for ten years. It was just Thanos, but for the next sort of it'll be Kang's a time traveling super threat. Secret Invasion scrolls that affects everyone. Um, multiverse affects everyone. Like you've got at least three big things compared to just one that was Thanos that sort of affects everyone. And then there was the second Guardians film where they start making Adam. Like, are Adam we ever Warlock, are we going to yeah. see something out True, of that? True. Yes, exactly. that's a very good so point. That, yeah. Like I said, like the Infinity Saga was wrapped up perfectly, and like you know, Endgame was such you know a beautiful way to like kick thing, um, end things. Um, but yeah, no, like those those stories that we start to saw born out of the end of the, you know, like yeah. those one or two films, like, are we going to see that come to fruition in phase four? Yeah, because like... Because like, like you've said, they've already got four things for them to pursue. Do they have time to go and wrap up these loose ends they like, made? Like the Mordo thing you mentioned, it's like, they're not... I don't think they're ever going to touch on that. In well, that's what I was questioning at the start, was like, why do you think is this is so large scale? Because my assumption was that the sequel would be a Doctor Strange versus Mordo film yeah. because they're arch enemies in the comics. And I thought the first movie excellently set up those two characters and their two perspectives and their ideals. So I was excited to see that continue into the sequel and then see them face off. But now I don't think we're necessarily going to get that, even though he is coming back exactly. as a character. Exactly, he's so returning. So I, th- like- I thought the same thing, you know, watching the first Doctor Strange, that credit sequence, I was like, okay, so he'll be the big bad in, you know, the second one. And obviously we've come a long way since then and it's looking like that's most definitely not going to be the case but yeah i mean i'll be i'll be pretty upset if they like wrap that up as just like a small nuisance for dr strange mm. like he has a fight with Mordo at the start and then it's uh, just like be- kill, killed him. off in a five minute fight Mordo just becomes loki where like in thor the dark world he just mm. sort of becomes his awkward sidekick sort of <laughs> yeah i don't want that and then backstabs yeah. him again or whatever it's just like I, like that's one route you could go i certainly think that he's fight. been developed as too strong a moral character to do something like become his like weird sidekick or something and then betray him he seemed he's a very like strong-willed individual and he's like he's certainly on the wrong path but he's very set in his morals so i feel like that's what scott derrickson set up but whether kevin feige and sam raimi have different plans for him maybe i guess we'll find out yeah well, I just want to see an epic wizard fight. That's all I care about. <laughs> I'm sure um, we'll get one. Yeah. You won't get any fantastic um, beast. Because it sucks. <laughs> Thor, Love and Thunder. Now, we all love Thor, but he's getting a fourth movie. Yay or nay? Yay. 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 Okay. I'm a, I'm a big fan for like round, round numbers, like uh, a perfect trilogy, but in Thor's case, I mean, I... he's only just getting started. Like, he's got so much good stuff left. You've got Christian Bale as the villain. You've got the Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, yeah, Christian Bale being in it. Oh, that is the dopest thing I've heard. Taika Waititi back. Like, I want want a Thor trilogy from just Taika Waititi. That'd be beautiful. That would be, yeah. The biggest thing that stands out to me about this film is that they're bringing Jane back and Natalie Portman Mm. will be reprising her role. Now, that, to me... See, I'm very conflicted on this because 
I am anticipating that the storyline that they're going to go with is the Lady Thor storyline from the comics. And for those who are familiar with that, they know that uh, Jane Power gets the powers of Thor, and but she also simultaneously has, I think it's breast cancer, right? Yeah. And basically, whenever she activates her powers, she becomes immortal, but she is Lady Thor. But then when she deactivates her powers, she's Jane Foster, who's dying, dying of cancer. And the whole dilemma there with that story is, who am I and who should I be? Should I be the hero Lady Thor or should I be, you know, in yeah. the hero Jane Foster? And I feel like if they go with that, that might be a really interesting story. However, my thing that is holding me back on getting fully excited with this is that the chemistry between Chris Hemsworth and Natalie Portman in those first two Thor movies was not good and my mm. least favourite aspects of those two films. So I'm a bit sceptical, but I'm excited for the potential... If they do it right. There's also rumour that it could be a multiverse Lady Thor and they might not do that whole breast cancer oh, storyline. Oh, okay. And she'll come in because you've got the whole thing about, what's her name, Valkyrie becoming the mm. leader of Asgard now. So what's that threat? Is Christian, I ba- feel like is it just... Christian Bale trying to fight Thor and Natalie Portman or is he trying to fight Valkyrie and Asgard? Mm. And then you also got the Guardians of the Galaxy in the mix. And, and you're not going to fly out Chris Pratt and all that to Australia to do all this quarantine to have, like, a small role. Mm. They're probably here for a decent role. So, like, yeah, what's happening point. with that? What, what direction is that movie going in? As much as they're two different things, uh, with the uh, breast cancer thing, they've kind of, with, obviously, like, I know we don't talk about it, but um, Thor The Dark World, <laughs> we've already seen the whole, like, story like, oh, like, Jane's sick and dying. Yeah. And obviously it's not the same as, you know, like a whole, or like, do I stay a hero or do I be Jane? But, um, yeah, they've done the thing where, like, Jane's sick. So yeah. um, I wouldn't be surprised if they did what Declan mentioned, the whole, like, multiverse thing, which is just a different version of Thor. That's an interesting take. I hadn't thought about that. I, I was more set down that path of what they did in the comics. But, again, with all this multiverse stuff, that would make sense um, if they go in that direction. Mm. Um, now, to my knowledge, that is the conclusion of Phase 4, all those things that we've just mentioned now. So I'm going to go through rapid fire with Phase 5 and beyond because there's so much of it. So, She-Hulk, yay or nay? I'm keen because it looks like it's it's going to have, like, William Hurt's General Ross, bloody um, Tim Roth's confirmed As to come back. Mark Ruffalo's confirmed to come back. Like, it's sort of... It could be pretty cool. And then it's rumoured... Well, it's rumoured that... Charlie Cox is back as Daredevil in well Spider-Man yes 3. but that's also a thing like I feel like he might actually work a lot better in a She-Hulk show but then there's also rumours Kristen Ritter's being cast in She-Hulk because there's similar as like, Jessica Jones yeah because one of the Marvel producers confirmed that they have like a board of all the characters in their yeah no office, the, the Russo's talked about it yeah Netflix characters are there no yeah. the Russo's have talked about that explicitly yeah, yeah they said that um, they had like a little um uh, sport playing cards with all the Avengers characters yeah. they had them up on a whiteboard and they were basically saying which characters are going to be paired up with here which characters can we use how many characters can we have in a scene and they said that I think in whatever interview it was that the Defenders characters were considered but they decided against it because there's already too much going on yeah. and I actually agree with that reasoning and I think it would have been strange if those specific yeah. characters showed up at the end of Endgame so I understand the reasoning but I think now that the expiry date has ended on those um, Netflix shows and they can be used again, I think it, you need to bring in at least some of them. Daredevil, you've, you've got Jessica the Jones, Luke now, Cage. So you can just pluck them out and mm. take the ones you want. Daredevil, Jessica well, the Jones, thing with Punisher. Sh- the thing with She-Hulk is I feel like 
because it's she is a character that deals with superhero legal cases, I think it's a no-brainer to bring in some of these characters who, like Jessica Jones or Luke Cage, who have done some superhero stuff and been on the bad receiving end of it. Yeah. And I feel like if she's like defending them or whatever, that would be pretty cool to see. But yeah, I just think it, they need to bring in at least some of those characters because oh, if they bring John Bernthal back, oh. that would make the happiest man alive because yeah. he's... I love that man. He is so good at what he does. Yeah, seeing, I love everything he's in. Seeing both Daredevil and the Punisher return would be amazing. Yeah. I guess we'll see. I, th- I think that, I, yeah, I think there'll be a lot of fun characters in She-Hulk, but it's also apparently going to be like 30 minutes sort of mm-hmm. yes, that's comedic sort of lawyer show. That's what, that's the tone they're apparently going for, which is similar to the comics, but I don't know. I kind of wish it'd be a bit more serious, but again, if they go in a similar route, to what Daredevil did with their legal cases, I think that'd be really cool. But then again, to establish it as something different, they might go down a more comedic mm. route. But either way, I'm excited for it just because of the cast, the characters, and the potential people that could show up. That's why I'm excited I for it. I just hope so. they have the budget to do some Hulk action with like She-Hulk, Mark Ruffalo's Hulk, yeah. maybe Red Hulk with General Ross, and maybe Abomination, because well, he is confirmed to be back, but will he still be Abomination? It's mm. like you've got four... Four big around. creatures, like, yeah. If they have the money to do it, it, it could be really cool. That fuck show. yeah, that'd be so cool. It'd be dope. Um, so next, um, Black Panther two. Ugh. This is a tough one because obviously, the unfortunate passing of Chadwick Boseman was a devastation for us all, and they've confirmed that they're not recasting the character. So, does this mean that Shuri's going to take up the mantle? Apparently, there's going to be a female and a male Black Panther sort of sharing the mantle. Mm-hmm. That's one rumor. Um, okay. Will that be Shuri and Mbaku? Don't know. Or are they going to get some entirely new character um, with, with the existing other cast, but a new lead? Um, I really have no idea. Like, I really I, I don't have any of my own theories. I'm sort of just waiting to see how they handle it. I'm glad that Ryan Coogler seems to be sticking around because oh yeah for sure he'll yeah yeah I'm 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 just sort of curious to sit back and see what they do because it's a very awkward situation. Um, yeah, no, I'm on the same page as Declan there. Um, haven't really thought of too many theories of what they're going to do. Just um, yeah, just interested to see how they handle it because it's and it's, move forward. It's weird because it's like Shireen and Baku were such side characters, so obviously. The B characters, mm. and it's like to upgrade them to if if they do do that, upgrade them straight away. It's kind of like yeah, fans will be like, yeah, you sure he's Black Panther now, like in the comics. But it's like a casual fan might be like, oh yeah, tune out of that. Like that that sort of happened. They know why it happened, but they're like, eh, I'm not really interested. And that happened way too quickly or whatever. So yeah. do you bring in a brand new character? And I feel like it, it would it'd be easier to latch onto a new character or some because Kevin Feige the one thing he said is that it will explore Wakanda more so is there a new person that rises up or I don't know I feel like that'd be easier to get behind with your existing supporting cast Mm. I don't know my big thing that about this movie that I want to see but I don't know if we will see is that I want to see Namor come into the MCU and I want to see a Wakanda versus Atlantis sort of mythology and exploration of those two worlds and then potentially have conflict between a Black Panther and Namor. I think that'd be really cool. I have no no idea if that's the direction they're going in, but I think if they're going to bring Namor into the MCU, that'd be the best time to do it. 
is these two hidden worlds that don't really want to be associated with the real world, but they are. Yeah. But then they also talk about bringing back Michael B. Jordan, and I'm like, I don't know how you do that. But if they do that, they'd be dumb. Yeah, I saw something about that too. I, I really hope they it's don't. Been a, it's been like a rumor since that movie came out. I just like, don't see the purpose, honestly. Even a flashback, I just yeah, no, yeah, I don't see the purpose. That's what I thought at first, that like possibly a flashback, and I was like, you don't really need to do that though. And then of course, um, Chadwick passed away, and you know it like was still being rumored. I was like, well, whose whose flashback is it going to be now? Mm-hmm. I mean, like other people saw him, but it wouldn't make sense to delve into their flashback unless we're delving into their story. And mm-hmm. exactly, yeah. as he said, you know, like the only person I could think of where it would make sense is Shuri. But as you know, said such a side character in the first one to focus so deeply on her from like the beginning of Black Panther 2 before we you know see a clear transition of who's going to be the next Black Panther would be quite odd I think mm. yeah I remember before Kevin Foggy did announce at that Disney investors meeting that they weren't going to recast um, Chadwick my, my big speculation was um, the actor from Tenet um, John David Washington I thought he would have been a great choice to take over as Black Panther I think he would have been a great kind of um, take over from from Chadwick Boseman. I, 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 as soon as he died, I was I was sort of like, well, you to Charles out of the question. You can't recast him like that. Just but see, the reason I thought they were going to do that is because they've done that previously with uh, War Machine and and Hulk. But and I guess stuff, it's a completely so. different kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Mean, at, yeah, at the time they did those, like Marvel was still like very yeah. early, still setting him up. Um, and, and, and they just did it with Ant Man's daughter. It's like you know, that's one act, exactly one yeah. actress was her and. Avengers Endgame, the biggest movie of all time, but they're like, mm, recast. But it's like your lead star in a franchise that meant so much to people just passed away mm. from a cancer that he's had for four years. It's like, you can't really be like, I don't think any actor would be like, yeah, I'll take on that role. They'd be yeah. like, no thanks. Like, you know, the Hulk, they got away with it because, you know, like there were only three films yeah. in and, you know, what can you do? Um, it's, it's, like with Rhodey, again, like he'd only been in one film. Again, like that was like their first film come back to it later and have a change in character and you know like a side character that's not too big a deal mm. but yeah with someone who's you know was in quite a, you know a few marvel films now and became such an important character role, yeah. and yeah to recast him would have been you know as, as you said you know john david washington would have been a brilliant choice but um even if kim fire was like we're just going to recast a child do you want to play it i'm sure he'd be like no yeah no, out of you know respect for the legacy that um he left for his character yeah. it'd be almost I would say borders on disrespect maybe yeah. to go and recast him no I think it's fair again that was just my that would have been my choice if they did decide to recast was I think he John David Washington would have been a great yeah. choice uh, but I think that if they are going in a, a new story direction um, then I think that's fine it just depends on how integral T'Challa was to the Black Panther sequel well I think well I think it was like that they've just chucked out the old script pretty much because, I mean, it was Black Panther 2. Now it's going to be like Black Panther reboot. Kind. Mm. Like it's Once again, I have no clue what they're going to do, so it's just see how they handle that one. Mm. Now, another sequel that's coming in in a couple of years, Captain Marvel 2. What did you guys think of the first Captain Marvel? Like, did you actually enjoy that movie? I'm just going to sound really sexist on this podcast, but I'm not. <laughs> I, also I can like, confirm Declan is not a sexist. <laughs> I also don't like Wonder Woman 1984, but anyway. Oh, I didn't um, like that either. Captain Marvel was dead. <laughs> Captain Marvel was terrible. It was really Really? Because I, I, I quite enjoyed it's, it for what it was. Okay, it wasn't really. It was just meh. It was so meh. And by that point, you know, you're in between Infinity War, Endgame, and you're just getting meh. 
you've had Black Panther, Infinity War, Hey Man, the Wasp was kind of meh as well. But that was, I feel like it was designed that way. Not to be meh, but like as yeah. in, it was like a, just a fun side mission sort of thing. But it was never really overly hyped that much. It was just sort of like, eh, whatever. Ant the Man biggest standout about that we, movie is the end credit scene, so. Exactly. We, we've already had Ant-Man 1. It's just like, okay, Ant-Man 2, whatever. Where it's like, oh my God, Marvel's first female soul. Oh my God, new character. And it's like, and it's so meh. Like, like not even Brie Larson herself or anything, just the movie, the directing, the cinematography. That's why I feel like they got new directors effects, for the, the lighting. Sequel. It was so crap. Yeah, they. I realized that when when they announced that the sequel was directed by a new new person, I was like, oh, okay, was that's like, interesting. Because I, I, yeah, I agree. I, I, I feel like the first one, I enjoyed it for what it was, but like, if I looked at my ranking, it does rank towards the bottom. So. Mm. You yeah, the same age? Um, yeah, no, I was I was very in the middle. Like, um, you know, I enjoyed it. I would say it was fun to watch, but like, I didn't particularly hate it. I didn't particularly love it. It was, yeah. And Just, yep. So, Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. We've mentioned that a few times now. So, what do you guys think? Is because obviously Kang is confirmed as the as the main bad guy, but like, is this movie going to be like again very huge in scale, like Doctor Strange might be, or is it going to be a lot be. more small it, it scale, which the two first have been? Yeah, or it might... Well, I'm annoyed that Peyton Reed's directing it, but anyway, I don't like Peyton Reed. But that Mandalorian finale, though. Let's not go into that, but anyway. anyway. We'll be here for hours if we start talking about (laughs) the Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, He's just such a boring director. Like, Ant-Man 1 was really good, but half that movie was Edgar Wright because it was already planned for years. And then Ant-Man 2 was all Peyton Reed, and it was so boring. And it was... I don't know. That's just me. That's so funny. to hear he was coming back for the third one, I was like... Oh. Well, it's actually... It's funny you say that about Peyton Reed because I had that exact sort of expression when I heard John Watts was coming back for the third Spider-Man I movie. I love John Watts, though. I think he's great. I, I, I actually wasn't the biggest fan of Homecoming. Oh, I really? I really love Far From Home. I thought he went from, like, just sort of meh to, like, elevated okay. massively. I thought Far From Home was amazing. Um, Interesting. I, I, Story-wise, special effects-wise, direction, I thought it was great. I prefer Homecoming to Far From Home, though. I just, I don't a know. There's something about do. the first one that I thought was just much more Spidey feeling than the second one. Not that I disliked Far From Home. I really yeah, enjoyed I, I that. Like, like me and Aiden, we went and saw that for the first time together. Yeah. And I remember at the end of that movie when Joe Jonas shows up, we were both like, <laughs> oh my God, we were yeah. freaking out. So, oh, but That was such a good scene. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, but yeah, what do you think, think about... Um, I would I would say that I agree with Declan half. Like I didn't dislike Homecoming or you know enjoy it a great deal less than Far From Home. But I would agree that there was a certain step up between um, Homecoming and Far From Home. But I also agree with you in the sense that Homecoming was a much more grounded, like Spider-Man story, whereas Far From Home was obviously like, as you know, as Spider-Man himself said, you know, this is like this is an Avengers know, big level stuff. Threat. Yeah. This is I, I I can respect how Spider-Man fans don't like what the MCU is sort of doing with Spider-Man, how he's not really, you know, he doesn't have the Uncle Ben aspect. He's really Iron Man's protege, all that stuff. I can I can understand that, but I thought it was done really well in Far From Home. I might be wrong in this assumption, but I think a lot of people feel that way because they grew up with the Sam Raimi movies. Exactly, and I can I can Because Spider-Man was it. very much Spider-Man, yeah. whereas this is, they said it's a joke in Civil War, but like it, it, he is kind of Spider-Boy, in a lot of sense, because he is still in high school, whereas Tobey Maguire was just in, co- just out of high school, in college, 
and then was basically an adult. The actor basically was an adult. Yeah. So that whole <laughs> idea of him being a high schooler was like, films, what? Wasn't yeah. yeah. So like, I feel like that might just be a lot of our generation who grew up with the Sam Raimi movies being like, it's not like this. It's wrong. But like, if you watch any of the Spider-Man cartoons, like I just recently went through the Spectacular Spider-Man, which was on Netflix. Mm. And that show is very much so like teen drama, you know, fun Spider-Man quirks yeah. and then dealing with the villains on a weekly basis. But like the thing with Spider-Man in, um, in the MCU, and I feel like this is a good thing. This is just my opinion, but I feel like them leaning so heavily into the MCU and relying on that to help elevate Spider-Man, I think is a good thing because I feel like it distinguishes him from the other Spider-Man franchises that we've got. So I didn't really have like, obviously like I loved the original Spider-Man trilogy. I thought it was great. Um, but like watching the new Spider-Man introduced, I didn't have any of the, Oh, it's not like this. So I don't like it mentality. The only thing I was opposed to at first, but grew to like was, um, the whole, like his suit was like Iron Man gave him that suit and like he built it for him. And then, um, in homecoming, I actually, I didn't like this aspect of it at first, but I've got, I'd like, I understand why they did it now. The whole, like, is it Karen? His AI is. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I didn't think, like I that. I think I know first. what you're talking about. Yeah. And yeah, I think, I think we've had this discussion before, but yeah, no, cause obviously in the comics, you know, he talks out loud to himself a lot and, you know, like in the comics to read, that's great. But, um, it might've come off a little awkward if, you know, he just like said these, you know, random things to himself at random points during the film. So they gave him this AI that he could talk to. So a lot of those, you know, like, weird quips or you know just sarcastic jokes that he makes like during fights or just like during stuff that he's doing makes a lot more sense no i echo those sentiments and i was disappointed when she didn't appear in far from home i was like where is the ai voice yeah no they got rid of her after homecoming we didn't see that again really i wonder if they'll continue with that because like you said i thought that was genius the way they did that so he could kind of have these thought bubbles and make it work for live action because you can do that in cartoon and animation stuff and obviously comics it works so much better in that art form whereas cinema it's very much so awkward to talk to yourself Mm. so i echo all those sentiments i thought that was genius well see i mean like in infinity war and endgame we still saw him you know like make those quips and that during battle and obviously like karen wasn't I can't remember if Karen spoke at all during those two uh, films. She didn't, but I assume like, she would still would have been there because it was those old suits. Yeah, no, because I mean, I mean, in Endgame, he like tells the suit activate instant kill, yeah. so exactly. there's something there. Yeah, um, and you know that seemed to work because they'd already established that you know he will make jokes and quips during like while he's doing stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and then I mean, Far From Home, um, it worked. Um, I don't think like. Obviously, there was didn't speak to Karen at all, Um, so you know, like you notice there's less of it, but I don't think anyone was like confused or it felt out of place whenever he would say things. So, whether it was just a one-time setup to establish that that's something he's going to do, or if they do bring it back, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, but back to Peyton Reed, (laughs) which is what started (laughs) that. I'm still keen for Ant Man and the Wasp three. I mean, Kang, I like Ant Man and the Wasp. It'll be cool to see. What's her name? Janet Van Dyne. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be cool to see her. I just, I just hope Peyton Reed can elevate as a superhero film director just a bit more. That's I think that's, that's my a that's very my only criticism. concern is that, yeah, the what how John Watts elevated from Homecoming to Far From Home, we didn't see that from Ant Man to Ant Man and the Wasp. So hopefully he might elevate with Quantum Mania. That's yeah. my only concern with that one. I agree. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 now do we think 
I think we talked about this earlier, but like, do we think that Thor is going to show up in this movie, or do you think they're going to show up in his movie? Oh well, it's confirmed or is it going to be both? It's confirmed that they're going to be in his movie. Um, okay. So that's a thing, and I'm curious whether we'll see Bro Thor, Fat Thor, in um at the well, start of Love I and Thunder. I hope so. In Thor, Love and Thunder, I hope that Thor goes through like a Rocky montage <laughs> of getting back in shape. If they don't do like, could him you imagine Tiger's version of that? Lord, yeah. That would be the coolest shit I have yeah. ever seen. Oh, Cause I think it'd be kind be of so jarring good. if you just back to, back to Chris Hemsworth looking all mm. amazing. But, uh, um. Again, this, this could not happen at all, but you know how um, Star Lord has like the zoom or whatever, the zoom, the little iPod oh, thing. Yeah, yeah. Like oh. if they have just like the Rocky soundtrack on that or something the ridiculous Walkman, yeah. and they just play it, and they just go through a montage. Oh, that would be so incredible. I, I would jump and yeah. join. I'm certainly joy. expecting to see something like that. That would be brilliant. Yeah, yeah I, I think that'd be really fun if they did that in either whether it is a Thor movie or the Guardians movie. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's safe to assume that the, the third Guardians film will deal with um, Adam Warlock and yeah, that I think, aspect. I feel like Tiger's going to handle what happened following after Endgame, seeing well, that movie's coming first. Because... Guardians 3 script was like locked back before Infinity War and Endgame like James Gunn did that ages ago Mm. but Guardians 3 was meant to come out last year it was meant to be one of the first Phase 4 movies in Mm. 2020 so like they were meant to start filming in like 2019 and then all of his stuff happened so I think he said that he has made a few little changes over time but I mean if it's if he's going to be sticking to what he would have written in like 2017 2018 then it would be adam warlock and sort mm. of continuing that story arc no i agree but then will thor love and thunder handle gamora from 2014 or will guardians 3 i feel like that's that? a guardians 3 thing i hope it yeah. is a guardians 3 thing i just yeah. feel like the, the the idea of restarting their relationship at different points where star lord is obviously so clearly on board with Gamora and you've done all this setup with Gamora to finally get her to that stage and then to reset her I think is going to lead to lots of comedy so I'm excited to see that but we'll see yeah. um, now this is a movie that they announced way back at San Diego Comic Con a couple of years ago Blade with Mahershala Ali that's expert casting and the story behind how he got the role is amazing yeah. didn't you just call up like, dude no, exactly yeah Blade. no it was after when he won the Oscar for Green Book it was like a couple days or weeks later, he rang up Marvel Studios or Kevin Feige or whatever and was like, hey, can we have a meeting? And Kevin Feige's like, Herschel Ali wants a meeting with us? Okay. And then he came in to the office and was like, I want to be Blade. And Kevin Feige's like, okay. And that's how we got a Blade movie. That is the yeah. coolest story. Just to have that much like A-list level yeah. as an actor, just to be like, I want a movie. I want to play this character, make it happen. And then the studio be like, okay. Like, that's just, that's so cool to me. And I think he'll knock it out of the park. But me personally, I have never been a huge fan of vampire mythology. That's just not something that I gravitate towards. So that aspect of this movie and that mythology, I, I, I am not super keen for. But again, Mahershala Ali is what is drawing my focus. Yeah. I, I haven't seen any of Wesley Snipes. I haven't movies, either, no. So I don't really have any attachment to Blade. Um, I'm just, I'm cute. Mahershala is a good actor. I hope they get a good director. I'm sure it'll be, could be a fun movie. Mm. I wonder if it'll be really dark, like, or MA rated, like the um, Wesley Snipes ones. Um, yeah, well, well, they haven't got a. I, have, I think they might have a writer, but they don't have a director. No. 
it's rumored to be coming out in between Black Panther 2 and Captain Marvel 2 which would be October next year so they probably want to start get a crack along <laughs> but um yeah it's um, I'm I'm sort of withholding my opinion until I see who the director is and how it sort of comes together who what other actors join the cast and that because at the moment it's just Mahershala Ali's Blade in a movie eventually like yeah I think that's totally fair yeah. Are you the same boat? Um, I'm pretty sure I did see one of the old ones with um, Wesley Snipes, but that would have been ages ago now, so I barely remember any of it. Um, but, like, Blade's always someone I've seen as, like, a cool character, but I also share your notion of, like, being, like, the whole, like, vampire mythology. Um, like, as cool as the characters I thought Blade was, it just, like, you look at everything else Marvel has done and you go, like, well, vampires and stuff, it's a bit... I don't want to say far-fetched because, you know, like, they do aliens in outer space and, like, all that other stuff and, like, you know, Doctor Strange with magic. It just seems seems out of place almost. I agree. almost seems like a downgrade. Like, we've seen vampire action movies with, like, underworld and, like, garbage B-grade action movies like those and it's like, does the MCU really want to step into that sort of... Like, as we were talking about before, like, the four sort of arcs they're going and it's like... I feel like Blade wasn't really on Kevin Oh, 100% wasn't in their plans at all. Uh, like, like maybe, maybe in 10 years it was in his plans, but, like, it's sort of, like, just jumped in and it's like, how does it fit into oh, the plan? Because yeah. it's such a different corner of... I mean, I'm, I, I wouldn't say that I'm worried about how they'll handle it. They've, like, Marvel's more than proved they know how yeah, to handle yeah. the content they produce. It's just the introduction of it in general, I'm unsure of. Because, like, I'm sure mm. it'll be a brilliant film, brilliant character, and obviously, like, the whole, like, vampire mythology will be, like... Um, portrayed and demonstrated to the audience in a way we were like okay this is like this makes sense this is cool but like as I said like um, standing next to all the other content Marvel's shown us and has made it just seems out of place mm. yeah. the extent of my knowledge about Blade is from the 90s Spider-Man cartoon and <laughs> I really enjoyed that and what they did with Blade and that was interesting but again I don't know vampires aren't my thing Yeah. but we'll see how they do it now Again, let's rapid fire through some of these because there's a lot of them and I don't think we need to deep dive into too many of them. But Moon Knight, Oscar yes or no? Isaac, Keen. Ethan Hawke's the villain, Keen. Yeah, uh, this is a character that I have heard about for a long time and, again, I think has lots of good story real estate. Um, hopefully they get a good character to play him. So, I mean, a good actor to play him. That's what I meant to say. Well, I've got Oscar Isaac as Moon Knight. I think that's still rumoured. I don't think that's confirmed. Yeah. Otherwise, they would have announced that at the... Um, Disney investors. I don't meeting. think it was done by them, but there have been more reports afterwards saying that he has signed. Once yeah, again, I, I thought it okay. was. Just I haven't heard confirmed. those same reports, so, yeah. but, but um, we'll see. Yeah, I'm keen. So. Mm. Uh, Secret Invasion. Now that's a TV show with Sam Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah. Again, when this was announced, I was like, "Hmm, that sounds like an Avengers level movie." Exactly. I th- so I why thought is the it next Disney Avenger Plus? movie was going to be like Avengers Secret Invasion, mm. but now it's just uh, and the logo looks really kiddy, like. I know, I was, I was a bit taken off guard by that. I was like, oh. I feel like this show, and again, I could be wrong. I feel like they're just doing this because Sam Jackson's still around and they want to keep him around doing Sam, um, doing Nick Fury things. Because like, I feel like his inclusion in Far From Home made sense, but it was like, out of all the characters, he had to pick Nick Fury. Mm. But, you know, I, I still think he's a cool character and I'm great grateful that he's coming back. But again, this is a, a weird, weird timing and a weird type of show to have with this comic story that everyone's so familiar with yeah. so I don't know 
Yeah, I'm curious. Any thoughts? Um, yeah, mostly just curious. Ironheart. I'm, I have no idea why this is a I, thing. I know I'm jumping the gun. You'll probably say Armor Wars next. Why didn't they just merge Ironheart and Armor Wars into I one agree. story? So you have, what's her name? Riri Williams or something? That's mm-hmm. the Ironheart. Why don't you have her, Rhodey, Sam Rockwell? From, like, just the sort of the Iron Man characters all... In a show together. It'd be so much more interesting than having her own one and then their own one. It's like... Just join them together. Mm. I just don't understand why Ironheart needs to exist. I just we've done so much Iron Man stuff. Just You've War, got we've the... still got War Machine, who everyone loves. Just make him the main if you want exactly. to go down that route. Exactly. I, I'm and, not and a fan Sp- of this. Spider Man's your base, basically your kid Iron Man. You still got the kid mm. from Iron Man three, and then you're having another Iron kid. It's like, yeah, I'm not a make, fan. Of this. Just make her a side character in Armor Wars, or you know. Combine those shows. I think that's a terrible idea. Mm. Yeah, I would separate. completely agree with the both of you there. A, I don't think we need it, and B, if we are going to do it, why not merge the two? Mm. It, it would make a lot more sense. Because Armor Wars, I am excited for just because I love Don Cheadle as War Machine. I just love that character so much. So to see him get his own show, I'm excited for that. But again, it also depends on the story that they tell. Because again, if they go, if they bring back Sam Rockwell and um, Hammer Industries and stuff. I think that'd be cool because obviously we haven't explored that since Iron Man 2, which was his first movie. So yeah. we'll see. I don't think War Machine's that much of an interesting character. So I think it would have been cool to have develop him more and also introduce a new fan favorite character from the comics. It could have they could have really bounced off each other well and just yeah. But having their own separate shows, I think it'll, they won't be very. They'll just feel they'll feel kind of like the Hawkeye series where it's just like. Yeah, yeah, character I know, and no real consequence to anything that's really happening. Mm. It's just it'll be cool, sure, but ultimately no way. Yeah, exactly. Whereas if they combine it, it's like okay, this feels like a bit more like an event. Now I'm going to combine these two because they're very similar. So there's a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, and then an I Am Groot series. I think these are both just superfluous content for Disney Plus. The the I Am Groot one. I think it's. I think what that show will be is what I Am Forky is um, on Disney Plus. Yeah. It's just like a thing for kids that goes for like five minutes. You turn your brain off and you watch it, or yeah. you just put it on for kids. Like I, I'm not so. even gonna. I saw that announced. I'm like, okay, well that's that's not for me. Like mm. I'm, I'm not even gonna pay attention to any news from that. The holiday special, apparently, they're meant to when they start filming Guardians Three, they'll film the holiday special thing first. That's so it'll correct. Come out yeah. Before. So, I don't know. I, I guess it'll be a fun thing to put on Disney Plus. Um, I don't the story weight of it. I don't know. Probably minimal. Yeah. Well, it's Baby Groot as well. So, I feel like you know you can only do so much with Baby Groot. Mm. But I could be wrong. It could be awesome, and we're all wrong. So, um, now that's the extent of everything that's coming out. However, there's one thing we haven't talked about, and. It is the coolest thing that I'm so excited that they're doing. And Declan looks puzzled because he doesn't know what it is. And I'm very disappointed. Fantastic Four. Ah, yes. Dude, are we not keen for Fantastic Four? Directed by John Watts. Well, that's... <laughs> I, yes and no. I, that, when they announced that he was directing it, I was like, why well, I him? I was excited because Peyton Reed was campaigning hardcore for that. And I was like, please, no. See, don't I, get, don't I, get the most boring director in a human history. To, anyway. Anyway, <laughs> regardless, whoever's directing it, it doesn't really matter because Fantastic Four is coming to the MCU 
and hopefully it's amazing because those characters deserve justice. Third time lucky. Yes, third time lucky indeed. I certainly hope so. Mm. As excited as I am that they're doing it and, you know, they're in a position to do it so much more properly than previously, it would be great to see that... um, I mean, I can't see it going wrong at all, but just like with the last two times, I I have to be sceptical. This is my... If you humour me here, this is what I hope that they do, is I hope that Reed Richards and like all the characters... Uh, I hope this movie starts in like the 50s or 60s. I hope this movie starts then and we basically get these characters working on this experiment and then they have the origin story like we know. They go into space and then they somehow get their powers or whatnot. My hope with with that is that they start in the 50s, they do that, they um, go into space, get their powers, and then they somehow get locked into like the negative zone or whatever it's called. And then we come back all these decades later and then they somehow pop out and then they return back to yeah, Earth. Men of the Boss 3 introduce them? Potentially. But, like, I, I hope that they have that classic origin story like they did in the comics and set it back in, like, the 50s or whatnot because then you have that cool kind of, like, olden day vibes with these characters and then you bring them to the future and then they have to deal with all this modern just stuff. Captain America again. Well, they could do it differently. That Captain America was very much so like a man out of time, whereas these guys, I feel like you can bring them into the future and like Reed Richards, who was the smartest man living back then, comes into the future and is like the next Tony Stark sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon they'll just probably make them like... What Kevin Feige seems to do is just their existing origin story, but just with the current MCU twist. So I reckon... They'll just go into space as sword agents or something. They'll just be part of that crew. This thing will happen. And then Feige likes to keep it simple with origin sort of stuff. And I feel like he'll just make them sword agents or something. Maybe tease it in Secret Invasion with Nick Fury and that. Because I feel like that's when we'll get to see more of sword. Yeah, true. Um, that's my guess. I think I, th- I think that'd be cool. But um, I think that'll just be... I just want to see a classic Fantastic Four origin story done right. And whether it's in the past or the present, I, I think they'll do it right. But just me personally, I want to see something a bit more retro with the Fantastic Four and then bring them to the future and let them do cool shit. So what do you reckon? Um, I would say I agree with you there. I would love to see the classic origin story. Um, but I think I do agree with Declan um, in that it'll probably just be um, kept simple and with like the um, you know bigger, more interesting stuff to come later in their story hmm. I'm curious to see how they handle Doctor Doom in this one like will he have Latveria and like will he do you do another hidden country type thing maybe that could be a whole different thing they're, they're also part of Latveria and they haven't been They've I don't know like yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They, they, they could take a few different routes just to differentiate it from the Those two other, other versions yeah. but then also do their MCU twist it. it could be cool it could be I think, yeah, there's so much potential that they can do now that we have this very well-established MCU, like this whole universe that we have that everyone knows so well. I think to inject the Fantastic Four somewhere in there I think is going to be really cool. And I I think that they're going to do it right, but hopefully it's in a way that's unique and also entertaining for people who love the Fantastic Four of of the olden days and then after those two franchises 
destroyed those characters mm. so terribly. Now, we could talk about mutants in the X-Men, but I don't think there's much point because I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. With all the announcements that Marvel has made with Phase 4, Phase 5, nothing in there is obvious mutant and X-Men stuff. So I think, my theory is, is that this sort of wave of Marvel is all going to be Avengers-centric. And then in like another 10 years' time, when they're starting to get burnt out with all these characters, they're going to be like, all right, let's flip the switch. And now we've got 10, 20 more years' worth of content with mutants. That's my theory. Because the the Marvel Comics universe is so vast. They've got so many opportunities. And I feel like the X-Men is a great way to expand on that. I don't think they need to jump the gun on it, honestly. the biggest problem that Kevin Feige is probably figuring out, if he's probably figured it out already, but it's like, if the X-Men do exist in the MCU as we know, why haven't they shown up once to help? Mm. Like, that's that, that's going to be the question every time a new existing hero shows up. It's like, where were you in Endgame? Where were you in Infinity War? Where were you Age of Ultron? Where were you battling New York? Like, My solution to that is, is you've got to keep the amount of mutants small. You've got to keep it to, like, the main ones, and you've got to make it so that Xavier is like, yes, there's super people around, but, like, we need to keep ourselves secret. If you have only a small amount of, of mutants actually out there, I think that's far more realistic as opposed to the entire planet or America or whatever has mutants everywhere and just nobody knew about it. Because that's what they tried to do with Inhumans in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And it was like, wait, so there's all these Inhumans around, but, like, they're only showing up with the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. crew. It's like, hmm. Yeah. That was a bit weird. Quickly, has anyone seen the Inhumans TV series? I did not because I heard it was terrible. So I was like, I'll <laughs> was, skip that one. Thank it you. It was so Damn. bad. Um, but yeah, I, I just... Worse Iron Fist. I feel like the mutants... It, again, so much potential there and they don't need to rush into it because or, there's or, no or need to. Or will they do like, you know, in the comics how Magneto has Genosha, Genosha, the island for... Like, will they sort of do another Black Panther thing where they've been hiding in this... Because they didn't really do that in the Fox movies, and yeah, to differentiate them, Magneto's way more sort of prominent. Or do they, or will they tie Doctor Doom and Magneto with like having their own? I, I don't know. There's lots of possibilities. It's mm. cool. Yeah, it's definitely an exciting future. And whilst I consider myself a huge Marvel fan, which I assume you both do as well, like I feel like it's it's safe to assume that everything that's coming out will be of high quality. It's just whether or not they can keep it at a level where everyone is still entertained and finds it worthwhile. And I think that's the most important thing because because Disney has Marvel and they don't have a lot of content for their streaming service, I feel like they're just going balls deep in Marvel and Star Wars and being like, let's just get as many shows and movies and stuff on this service so that people come and pay money for it. And to me, I don't like that at all with Star Wars because I feel like Star Wars is no longer special. But that's just something I, as a fan, have to get over because Disney owns it. And Marvel, I again, I just don't want to see a drop in quality. I, I am more focused on quality over quantity. So I don't know if you guys feel the same or... Yeah, it'll be, you know, I'll spend a lot of money on these first few shows, but then, like, when you get to Ironheart, is it just going to be some little, some small-scale drama with... She gets a suit. I don't know. It's just, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, as great as it would be to see such a large amount of, you know, brilliant Marvel content coming out, I think it's important that, um, like, A, that, you know, it's it's made well, but B, that it stays relevant. 
because Kevin Feige said he, the idea is that they can just jump in between movies and Disney Plus, and it's like it'll be very seamless. If, you, yeah. if they start just churning out Disney Plus, Disney higher up will be like, "This is too expensive." Slicing little budgets off all of them, and then it's like, now you can't cross between movies and TV shows because the there's look, a drop in quality. They look very different now. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, how they keep the balance and how they keep casual fans and oversaturation of just story like they could release 10 shows a year and we'd watch them no fuss but it's like are you getting a casual fan casual person in and how important is each story because every movie is important but is every tv show going to be important Mm. and how do we differentiate that yeah it'll be interesting to see the direction that they go with it because yeah i feel like there's lots of potential but again they've got to make sure that they're hitting their strides at every step of the way and uh I guess what is what are the most anticipated shows that you guys have out of everything that's kind of been announced and all the movies and shows that's coming out phase four phase five what's like the ones that stand out to you the most and that you're most looking forward to I know I said I Falcon and Soldier looks generic but I am very keen for that just because it's existing characters who I like um, uh, Moon Knight definitely and She-Hulk they're probably my big three WandaVision's already happening so I'm just excluding that. of course yeah um but those are probably my big three. Um, yeah, no, I'd have to say the same as Declan there. And again, like would have included One Division, but obviously that's now out, and we're well into watching it. Um, but yeah, um, Loki, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and Moon Knight. Yeah, the ones I'm most looking forward to are Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. That's one thing that that's probably up the top of my list. One Division again would have also been up there, but that's we're we're currently experiencing that. So yeah, Doctor Strange, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and What If. They're my three most anticipated ones. And I'm only excited for What If only because I just want to see the, di- the different directions that they take those characters in those stories. And just I just want to see something different. Movie-wise, definitely keen for Spider-Man 3, Doctor Strange, and probably Thor, Love and Thunder. Mm. Yeah, film-wise, I'd say the same. Thor, Doctor Strange, and Spider-Man 3, they're probably going to be... Um, the biggest and most yeah. um, engaging for those of us who are invested in like Marvel's comics and I'm very curious lines. about Eternals though that's sort of like a wild card where I'm like yeah. that, that could be like damn that was cool can go one of two ways yeah now obviously Marvel is going into a direction that is there's so much content coming out I know we're all very excited for it but if we have a quick reflection on what we've seen thus far with the Infinity Saga why do you think that Marvel has been so successful with everything that they've done thus far? And why do you think the Marvel Cinematic Universe is so good and why it is so effective at what it does? Kevin Feige. It's <laughs> a great you answer. see other franchises. Kathleen Kennedy can't keep her shit together. DC, they can't lock down any producers. Kevin Feige. Yes, all these direct Like, Taika Waititi... Like, all these directors do... in input so much into it not Peyton Reed um, <laughs> I love how we just have this underlining hatred um, for him now <laughs> it's very subtle <laughs> um, very indeed like the, these directors do have such strong input like John Favreau set the tone like of course you know, yeah Kevin Feige could have never done that like he's, he's not a director um, but he does keep the ship in order he, you know he's like yes Taika Waititi do whatever you want but you have to at least do this do this and he's Taika Waititi's probably like, oh, and I'll do this. And Kevin's like, no, you can't do that because that won't. And Taika Waititi's probably like, okay, you, you need that head at the ship. 
he's like, yeah, you can play around in the room how you like, but you, you know, you gotta you gotta at least do this and this and not do that, and that's what other franchises don't have. Um, yeah, I think one of the most important parts of what's made them so successful is, I mean, right from when they started with Iron Man, they, you know, they made a story that, you know, wasn't like too heavily based off the comics. You didn't really, you like, you didn't have to go and read them to be able to, you know, go and watch, understand and enjoy Iron Man. But for those who had, it was like still something that was like, it was cool to watch. You're like, okay, I can, I can see where they're going with this, this is going to be a good film. And those who, you know, had nothing, they went and watched it and it's like, okay, this was a good film. And so, like, right early they established it was something that, you know, could attract people who had been reading the comics and been invested for a while, but still build an entirely new fan base who were becoming engaged with their content after this first film. So I think, um, like, just making the stories in the way they did where they could, you know, not only invite the fan base they already had, but continue to make an even larger and new one so that, you know, they'd continue to make films and more and more people would be interested is something that helped them, you know, gum gain the success they did. Yeah, I feel that's such an important part. And one of the reasons why I think they're so successful is because they have people who actually care about the stories they're telling. And they know the mythology. They know the history. They know why these characters are so important and why people identify with them. And to me, like, yes, these are superhero movies and so many people can be like, oh, they're just fun action movies. But, like, I disagree with that because when you look at Avengers Endgame and the emotional impact that had on pop culture, not only with Iron Man's death, but with that scene when Cap lists Milner and just like even me personally, like I've like legit, I was crying for like an hour of that movie just because there was so much going on. I was just tears of joy, tears of sadness, all of it, the full spectrum. And I feel like that's why they're so successful is because they really care about the characters and they put it on screen in a way that is faithful to the comics whilst being contemporary and also making sense for the world that we live in. And I feel like, you know, a lot of people can discard these and just say, oh, they're just fun movies. But, like, again, I feel like they're, they're telling a story that really makes a lot of people, you know, that, that's why people go to the theatre, go to see movies, because they want to be entertained. But a key, port, a key part of entertainment is having good characters and a good story. And I feel like the Infinity Saga did that perfectly. They had a few hiccups here and there, but for the most part their overarching story was of the highest quality. And I think that's why they are the, the most successful um, company in cinema is because they have got this such great care and Kevin Feige's leading that ship, like you said. No, I, I agree totally with, with that perspective that when you have someone who's leading the ship, everyone's going to file suit. And when everyone goes on the same vision, then it's, yeah, it's great stuff. And as you said, you know, as a fan, it's particularly special for us when we, you know, go and see these films that are being made by people who care and are invested in these characters just as much as we are. That's mm. why it annoys me when Sony keeps fucking around with Spider-Man. Fucking yeah, pissed. I, I despise Sony because they keep me messing with Spider-Man in ways I don't like. So and their anyway. whole side universe, Venom, Morbius. Oh, Craven don't even Hunter. get me started. We, we'll be we here for another certainly hour. Certainly, do not have time for that. <laughs> Declan, Aiden, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking everything Marvel. I really appreciate it. This is obviously something that we've talked about previously and we've always had a good time doing it, so I appreciate you coming onto the hot mics and, and doing it live. So Thanks for the invite. I really appreciate Pleasure. it. Now, obviously, those who are listening at home, obviously, I assume if you're listening to this stage, you're definitely a fan of Marvel. 
Hopefully you guys are excited just as much as we are for all the new Marvel content that's coming out. I know there's going to be lots of good stuff and hopefully the, the, the quality is high for all of it, but we will soon find out. WandaVision is happening right now. Hopefully that finishes with a bang. And uh, again, thank you very much for listening. If you're listening on an on a audio form and if you're watching this on YouTube, I also really appreciate it. And uh, make sure you hit that like button, subscribe if you are new around here, and uh, I will catch you in another time.